You're listening to a sermon preached at Cross and Crown in Melbourne. We believe that God speaks through the Bible and He calls us to preach the Word and proclaim His Gospel. We pray that as you listen, you will be strengthened to know, love and live for Jesus. Well, isn't it so frustrating that we're back under lockdown again? Just think about it. Exactly seven days ago, a hundred of us physically gathered here to sit under God's word. But now, just seven days later, where are we? We're back in our homes and unable to physically meet. I don't know about you, but the frustration's real, isn't it? In fact, on the night that lockdown was announced, the frustration boiled over. Some of you may have seen that online, that there were protests at Fed Square in the city. Now, I'm going to venture a guess. I doubt that many, if any of you, were actually at the protests. But some part of us can empathise, maybe even resonate with that frustration and anger, can't we? I mean, some of us are angry at the state government for the never-ending series of lockdowns. Others of us are angry at the federal government over the slow vaccine rollout. We're angry at our leaders because we expect more from them. I mean, all I want, right, is our leaders to guard us from the virus. All I want is our leaders to guide us out of lockdowns. That's all we're asking for, to guide us and to guard us. I mean, let's face it, Aussies aren't normally known for our respect for authority. But when crisis hits... We know that leadership matters. And it's actually no different among the people of God. You see, most of the time, we Christians don't think too much about leadership. Because just like most Aussies, we don't care too much for authority. But we know that when crisis hits, leadership matters. In fact, it's just like Al Stewart said a number of months ago when he was preaching here. Leadership is like hygiene. Most of the time, it's pretty boring. But if you get it wrong, it'll kill you. Two weeks ago, we kicked off this doctrine series by receiving pastors and elders as God's gift for the care of our souls. And last week, we learned that pastors and elders care most for your soul when we preach the word. When we gather and grow the church by the gospel. But I hope you realize that good shepherds do far more than just feed the flock. Sure, that's our primary responsibility. That's our core task. But it's not our only responsibility. Just think about Ezekiel 34. Israel's shepherds should have not only fed the flock, but what else should they have done? They should have strengthened the weak, healed the sick, bandaged the injured, brought back the strays, and sought the lost. You see, God calls shepherds not just to feed the flock, but to lead the flock. And he calls pastors not just to preach the word, but to lead the church. You see, I'm actually convinced that this is the key weakness in our doctrine of church. And it's the key weakness in Christian discipleship today. You see, too many sheep are fed, but not led. Too many sheep are fed, but not led. You see, there's actually not enough for a pastor to just preach the word each Sunday, disappear into his green room, and have no contact with his flock. Now, if pastors are going to lead the flock, we need to be with the flock. Shepherds 
need to smell like their sheep. And it's also not enough of the flock just to consume the word each Sunday, disappear into our weeks and have no contact with our shepherds whatsoever. Because God's word is the food that is given not to individual sheep, but it's the food given to his gathered flock. And that word is fed at the hand of pastor shepherds. It is why the Belgic Confession states that there are three marks of the church. God's word, God's sacrament, and God's leaders. We might say the church is God's people gathered by God's word, around God's table, and under God's care. Did you catch that? The church is God's people gathered by God's word, around God's table, and under God's care. And it's that care that we're going to be looking at today. You see, God calls his pastors to not only be preachers, but to be leaders, to not just feed the sheep, but to shepherd the sheep by guiding the flock to Christ and by guarding the flock for Christ. In 2005, shepherds in Turkey watched in horror as 1,500 of their sheep just wandered off a cliff. It was a mass suicide, with more than 400 sheep dying and over 1,000 more injured or maimed. In fact, those 1,000 sheep that that were injured or maimed and didn't die, the only reason why they didn't die was because their fall was buttressed by the 400 dead sheep carcasses under them. You see, it was a mass suicide. It was a slaughterhouse, and it all started with just one sheep. That's all. One stray sheep got separated from the flock and it wandered off the edge of the cliff. And then, well, the rest of the sheep did what sheep do best. They followed. They followed that one stray sheep off the cliff to their deaths. And it goes to show, doesn't it, a shepherdless flock are a sheep without direction. A shepherdless flock are a sheep without direction. I mean, it's terribly sad, actually. Just think about Mark 6. Jesus sees the crowds, and what does Mark say? They were like sheep without a shepherd. Sheep without food, sheep without direction, sheep without leadership. And Jesus feels compassion. Literally, he's moved in his bowels. Jesus is gutted for them. You see, friends, sheep need a shepherd. And it's not for no reason that in 1 Timothy 3, pastors and elders are called not preachers or teachers, but overseers. We're called supervisors, watchmen, guardians. It's like a mother who entrusts her child to a guardian. That The guardian isn't the mother, but he's still responsible for the child. You see, you may have heard people say that the only competence requirement of a pastor is that they're able to teach. That's the one and only skill they need, the ability to teach. But can you see that implicit in the language of overseer is an ability to lead, a competence to guide the flock of God? And just like a guardian cares for a child, pastors and elders are called to care for the church as if it were our own family. Uh, Notice in 1 Timothy 3.5, if anyone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he take care of God's church? 
You see, friends, the church is a household of God. And pastors and elders are called to manage, to lead, to guide that household. We're called to guide the family into greater godliness. That, that's what should define the family of God, isn't it? The mystery of godliness. I mean, it stands to reason, doesn't it? God's family is marked by God. Godliness being our wholehearted devotion to the Lord. Or in words familiar uh, to us here at Cross and Crown, pastors and elders are called to lead our church to know, love, and live for Jesus. And at the heart of that task is, yes, preaching the word. It is feeding the flock. But it involves far more than that. It also involves guiding the sheep to live out that word, to practically follow the chief shepherd. It's great, isn't it, that the Lord Jesus doesn't just teach us how to follow him. No, he gives us shepherds to help us follow him together. To cast our vision, to organize our mission, to structure our discipleship, to enable our serving, and especially this week of all weeks, to coordinate our care. Pastors and elders are called to help us live as God's people in the world. You see, friends, leading the church means guiding the flock to Christ. Now, now let me be really clear, right? We're not leading you to follow us. We're leading you to follow him because Jesus is the only shepherd truly worth following. We, I can promise you, will disappoint you. But I can promise you even more that Jesus will never let you down. But just like that one dumb sheep in Turkey, most sheep have a tendency to wonder, don't they? And if we're honest, like, let me just speak for myself, I know that I can be a bit like that as well. And maybe some of you might agree that for yourselves as well. You see, all of us are naturally prone to wonder. All of us are naturally prone to leave the God we love. It is very rare that someone actively walks away from God. It happens from time to time, but very rarely does someone come up to you and say, look, Adam, I'm making a decision to walk away from God. More often, we passively wander away from God. We passively wander away from God. And let's face it, we're most at risk of doing this now in lockdown, aren't we? Just think about it. Instead of being deep in word and prayer in the morning, we sleep in because we don't have to travel to work. Or because church gathers online and online church really isn't a great experience, we skip it and we think we'll be okay without it. In fact, here's a diagnostic question for yourself. If you want to know if you're a sheep who is wandering from the flock, the clearest sign of your wondering is that you're failing to gather as a church every week. Let me say that one more time. If you want to know if you're wandering from the flock, the clearest sign is that you're failing to gather as a church every week. In fact, take a moment right now. Reflect on the last six weeks. How many of those six weeks have you gathered? If you have started to skip church and fail together more than for two of those weeks, can I suggest you may be in danger of wandering from the flock? In fact, you may be in danger of wandering from the shepherd. 
You see, that's why in Ezekiel 34, the tragedy is that there was no one searching for or seeking for the wandering sheep. God wants his shepherds to not just shout at the sheep from a distance and shout at them to come back. No, he wants us to go to the sheep. He wants us to gently guide you home. There's something so personal, even so individual, about a shepherd guiding his sheep, isn't there? You know, in many parts of Australia, farmers send sheepdogs like German shepherds to go out and herd the wandering sheep back into the flock. Well, I actually want to suggest that pastors and elders are a bit like sheepdogs, right? Our job is that we're sent out to guide and herd the sheep back to Christ, their true shepherd. So when we see you wandering from the fold, it's actually our task to go out, to go to you, and to gently guide you home. Now, you've got to understand, as a pastor, as that sheepdog, I listen to that, I hear that, and I, I think, wow, what a wonderful privilege. What a beautiful and tender moment that I get to lead the sheep back to God. But I can appreciate, if you're the wandering sheep, actually, the sight of a sheepdog running at you might be terrifying. You don't know whether it's coming to guide you, and you don't know whether it's coming to kill you. And I suspect that's how many Christians feel about their pastors. You see... I used to think that when my pastor called me over the phone, that I'd somehow done something wrong and he was calling to drag me back into the line. It's not as if he came at me gently with a shepherd's crook. Instead, he had a military baton to beat me into submission. But that's not what God calls his pastor elders to do. No, he calls us to go to the sheep and guide them back with all gentleness. You see, in 1 Peter 5, the Apostle Peter urges the elders to oversee, not out of compulsion, but willingly. Not out of greed for money, but eagerly. And not lording it over those entrusted to us, but by being examples to the flock. Friends, can you feel the gentleness in that shepherding? Can you hear the kindness and the tenderness in that leading? Paul calls Timothy as an elder to rebuke, correct, and encourage. Note, with great patience. You see, shepherds are called to be patient and persevering pastors. I mean, I get it. If you're fighting a besetting sin, killing that sin might take months and years rather than days and weeks. If you're struggling with an idolatry, maybe of relationships or work, cultivating a greater love for the Lord doesn't just happen overnight. And there may be times when you will stumble back into sin. And there may be times where you will stumble back and fall back into idolatry. But through it all, God is calling us to be patient with you. To not harshly demand immediate transformation yesterday but to gently guide you over a lifetime to follow the Lord. He's calling us to be patient pastors. But he also calls us to persevere, to never excuse sin, never tolerate idolatry, and never take the hard issues off the table. He calls us to never give up on you because Jesus never gives up on you. 
He, he wants us to persevere. He wants us to be persistent in guiding your soul back to your shepherd. I get it, right? I know that so many people hate that feeling of being chased by their pastors. But can I be honest? I mean, I would rather feel chased than be forgotten. Because if I have pastors and elders who are willing to find me and who are willing to bring me home, that means I have shepherds who love me. It means I have shepherds who won't let my soul wander from the Lord. Friends, let me be very clear. At Cross and Crown, we want to be a church where the shepherds know their sheep. Because the chief shepherd knows his sheep by name. We want to be a church where if you wonder, your shepherds will go to you and gently guide you home. Because Jesus, your chief shepherd, came to you and he laid down his life for you. See, we want to be a church with shepherds who lead like the chief shepherd. I mean, let me adjust your expectations. We will be far from him. He is perfect in every way, and we are so fallen and so sinful. But we do not want that to be an excuse for us to not at least give you a small taste of the care of the chief shepherd. But friends, the truth is, I as one pastor, one shepherd, can't do that alone. And that's why as a church we're appointing elders, so that as a team of shepherds we can guide every sheep to Christ. You know, different churches have different expectations of contact and care with their pastors and elders. And again, let me set your expectations. Realistically, as our church grows even larger and as kids start uh, being born into this family and young families start coming, the reality is you just won't be able to have a personal relationship with each and every individual pastor and elder. But I really hope that at our church, you can expect to be personally known by at least one. That as a council of pastors and elders, we might not all individually know all our sheep, but we can collectively know all our sheep. That when every month we sit down and gather to pray for the flock, and someone says, who knows Johnson and who's caring for him? There is at least one, if not two, hands that can be raised and say, I am caring for his soul. Because friends, if we don't know our sheep, how in the world can we guide you to the chief shepherd? Friends, God calls his pastor shepherds to guide the flock to Christ. And he calls us as well to guard the flock for Christ. You, you see, stretching right across Australia is the world's single longest fence. China, they might have the Great Wall of China that you can see from outer space. Well, you can actually see this fence from outer space. This is, in one sense, our Great Wall of Australia as such. The Great Wall of China, it was built, why? To keep the barbarians out. Well, our five and a half thousand kilometer fence was built to keep the dingoes out. Back in the 1900s, farmers built this fence to keep the wild dogs out to protect their sheep and cattle. But over the last few years, wild dogs have been tunnelling under the fence. Feral dogs have been breaking into the grazing country. And hundreds of sheep have been mauled to death. And it goes to show, doesn't it? A shepherdless flock 
are a sheep not just without direction, no, a shepherdless flock are a sheep without protection. And it's a task of shepherds to not just guide the flock. No, it's our task to guard the flock as well. Uh, when Paul farewells the elders at the church in Ephesus, look at his final warning in Acts 20:28. 20, Be on guard for yourselves and for all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has appointed you as overseers. Be on guard. Keep watch. Stay alert. Protect the flock. Because there will always be threats from without. And there will always be threats from within. In verse 29, Paul predicts, I know that after my departure, there it is, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. Wild dogs will tunnel under the fence. They'll breach the gate. They'll get into the fold. And can I tell you, when they get in, it will not be pretty. No, in fact, it'll be a slaughterhouse. In Ezekiel 34, the sheep of Israel became prey and food for every wild animal. Helpless victims of worldly threats. In Titus 1, the rebellious people, the circumcision party, they're breaking into the church in Crete and look at what they're doing. They're ruining entire households. You see, friends, the church of God is always under attack by savage wolves and wild dogs. It could be the overt persecution of the Roman Empire in the first century. It could be the subtle infiltration of false, false teachers right throughout church history. Or it may even be the attractive temptation of a materially comfortable world. In Melbourne 2021. You see, in Hebrews, the Christians there are actually facing much of the similar experience to what we're going to face going forward. Low-level social persecution and oppression. Low-level social pressure that is eroding their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And that pressure is leading many of them to abandon their saviour. So just think about it, in the face of all these threats from without, in the face of all these external dangers, what does God call the pastor shepherds to do? Shoot the wolves and guard the flock. Shoot the wolves and guard the flock. Silence them, he says in Titus 1.11 of the circumcision party. Rebuke them sharply, he says in verse 13. And in 1 Timothy 1, 3-4, instruct certain people to not teach false doctrine. Tell them to be quiet. And instruct them to not pay attention to myths and endless genealogies. You see, it's our job to warn you against those influences. In the past, a, a false teacher would have to physically turn up to your church and lead the sheep astray. And can I say, that's happened once over the last three years, where a false teacher has come physically to our church and we've had to turn him away. But friends, now it's easier than ever for that to happen. Because the internet allows instant access. It's awash with so-called preachers who have the appearance of godliness but deny its power. And we need to be very careful with whom we allow to lead us. We need to be very careful with whom we allow to teach us, especially online. You see, friends, whatever the threat might be, God is calling your pastor shepherds to shoot the dogs and protect the flock, to protect the sheep from the threats without. 
It is possible, though, that even more importantly, he calls us to protect you from the threats within. You see, as a shepherd, it's actually not that hard for me to see a wolf coming at the flock from a distance. It's much harder to spot a wolf that's already hidden among the flock. When Paul farewells the Ephesian elders, he goes on to warn them that men will rise up even from your own number and distort the truth to lure the disciples into following them. Friends, did you notice that phrase, even from your own number? Friends, that includes you and me. See, believe it or not, God gives us pastors, shepherds to protect us from ourselves. You know, when I worked in Parliament House, every day we'd have to be cleared by security in order to enter the building. The security guards, they were like watchmen. They guarded the gate. And effectively, they had three core tasks. Here they were, to admit the right people, to exclude the wrong people, and to remove the false people. To admit, to exclude, and to remove. Well, friends, if the church is the visible kingdom of God in this world, then past the shepherds, we are the guardians at the gate. And we bear that threefold responsibility. To admit, to exclude, and to remove. You see, in Matthew 16, the Lord Jesus entrusts the keys of the kingdom of heaven to Peter and the apostles. And these keys, they, they function just like any security card, right? That they're the right to open and close the gate, to include or exclude people from the church. And with those keys, Peter and the apostles can, can bind and loose. That they can forbid particular conduct and they can permit particular conduct. It's their job with those keys to regulate and care for and govern the godly living of our church family. And these keys, as we saw two weeks ago, have been passed on from the apostles now to pastor and elders. You see, it's our task to guard the gate. So when we see a sheep turning away from the Lord, I'm not just talking about naturally wandering away from the Lord. When we see a sheep actively walking away from their shepherd, choosing the world over their saviour, it's our responsibility to discipline that sheep in love. According to Matthew 18, that means imploring them, begging them, urging them, pleading with them to turn back to their shepherd. And finally, if they refuse to return to their shepherd, it means closing the gate, barring the table, and removing them from the flock. Friends, can I tell you, this is the responsibility that every pastor and elder loathes. I hate it. I want to be able to get through my entire time pastoring this church, never having to discipline anyone. But I suspect it comes with the turf. I suspect it comes with the job. Because this is the tough love part of shepherding. It is, though, as loving as it is tough. Because it is a necessary act of love for the church. You see, it might pain me to do it as much as it pains a father to discipline his child. But if we don't discipline the sheep, we're not protecting the flock. I mean, if you've been around church for longer than two seconds, you'll have seen it before, right? 
Where sin in the church is not dealt with, it only spreads further. In 1 Corinthians 5, Paul describes sin as yeast that leavens the whole batch of dough. It's it's like that tiny bit of mold on your bread that unless you cut it off, it'll spoil the entire loaf. When we give a free pass to marrying a non-Christian, it makes it permissible for everyone. When we say that it's okay to not attend church each Sunday or it's okay to not serve the body, consumerism takes over the church. Or when we fail to challenge the unrepentant pursuit of comfort, we set a standard of ungodly living for those around us. I mean, disciplining the flock, it's tough. But it is loving. And it's loving not just for the flock, but it's also loving for that particular sheep. I mean, just think about it, right? If we allow that sheep to remain in their sin, but we visibly keep them in the flock, even though they're behaving as if they're outside the flock, we're signaling them to them that they're okay with God and that God is okay with them. You see, they might behave, be behaving as if they're living outside the gate, but we're treating them as if they're still inside the gate. You see, that might be nice, but it is not loving. Actually, the most loving act that we can perform for that sheep is to show them their distance from their shepherd. You see that? The most loving act that we can perform for that sheep is to show them their distance from their shepherd. In 1 Corinthians 5, Paul holds out the hope that if we hand that one over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh, his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord. It's immediate pain for eternal gain. On the one hand, as your pastor shepherd, I hate it. But God calls us to love you enough to do not what is easy, but to do what is right. It's tough love, but it is as loving as it is tough. If you're not a Christian, you might be listening to all of this and you might think that this sounds all awfully harsh. Pastors and elders removing people from the church. It sounds almost medieval, doesn't it? But friends, here's the bottom line. Jesus wants to include you in his church. He actually wants to include you and welcome you into his flock You know, the world outside his gate is a dark and dangerous place and he does not want you to be on the outside. No, he wants to invite you in. And the only reason that he momentarily removes a sheep from the fold is because he wants that sheep to realize that being on the inside is so much better. Being on the inside is so much safer. In John 10, Jesus says, I am the gate. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will come in and go out and find pasture. A thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come so that they may have life and have it in abundance. Friend, can you see that there is an open gate? And if you enter through it, if you come to God through Jesus, you will find a place of eternal salvation, a place of ultimate safety forever. And all you have to do is to enter through the gate. All you have to do is to come to God through Jesus. In week one, we saw that God gives pastors and elders as a gift to the church for the care of our souls. And he calls us 
trust them. In week two, we saw that God calls pastors and elders to preach the word. And he calls us to listen and learn from them. And today, we see that God calls pastors and elders to shepherd and lead the flock. And he calls us in 1 Peter 5 and in Hebrews 13 to follow and submit to our shepherds. To follow and submit to our shepherds. But let's face it, right? If we're honest, that word submission just grates against everything in us, doesn't it? And I think there's three reasons why, right? Number one, now individualism tells us I owe nothing to anyone other than myself. Secondly, our egalitarianism says I answer to no one other than myself. And thirdly, our consumerism demands I take from anyone what I want for myself. And suddenly, if my pastors somehow increase the cost of commitment, well, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'm just going to go to that other cost-free church. But friends, can I suggest that if you do that, you're actually depriving yourself of a wonderful gift. Because believe it or not, there is safety in submission. There is safety in submission. You see, when we submit to the pastor shepherds whom God gives to guide and guard us, gosh, we can enjoy the gift of safety in the flock. I mean, let's face it, right? If I alone am solely responsible for my own soul, that's a pressure I just can't bear. But if God gives me pastors and elders to keep watch over my soul, I can still take responsibility as I need to, but... I can actually rest in the safety of having a shepherd. I mean, isn't it liberating to know that you have shepherds who who pastor you, who, who protect you, who pray for you? Isn't it so comforting to know that you have shepherds who love you, who have your back, and who will not give up on you? I just love what Peter Adam writes. The sermon you need to hear this Sunday is from your church minister who loves you and prays for you. Did he catch it? The sermon you need to hear this Sunday is from your church minister who loves you and prays for you. Your pastor who knows you. You see, deep discipleship happens not when we hear God's word online from a preacher far away who doesn't know us for a bar of soap. No, deep discipleship happens when God's people gathered by God's word, around God's table, and under God's care. God's people gather by God's word, around God's table, and under God's care. That's where deep discipleship happens. And friends, that is the safest place to be. As your pastors and elders, God is calling us to care for you in such a way that you experience a small imperfect, but still genuine taste of his far greater care. For Jesus alone is the chief shepherd. Jesus alone is the shepherd who watches over your soul, not out of compulsion or obligation. No, he does it willingly and out of love. He is the shepherd who cares for you, not out of greed for money. No, he is the God who had all things, but eagerly gave it all up so that we might share in his riches of heaven. 
And he is the shepherd who did not lord his power over us, but set that power aside to lay his life down for us. Friends, our job as your under-shepherds is to guide you to the chief shepherd. Our job as your under-shepherds is to guard you for the chief shepherd. For he alone, Jesus alone, is the true shepherd of your soul. And he alone can give you true and lasting rest. Amen.